Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday on this 2020. 2020. What does that mean? Well, it's the 20th day of February in the year 2020. 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and normally with me is our good friend Wes Reimnitz, but he's still a little ill and is unable to come on. We're looking forward to him getting back next week. So I'm all by myself here, and I talked to him about what we could speak on. Many of you know that I'm helping out with congregations when they no longer have a pastor. The pastor maybe has taken a call somewhere, and they're looking for somebody that will come in and serve them while they call a full-time pastor. Uh, Right now, I'm dealing with four locations. And the two I want to talk about today, one of them is Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Macomb, Illinois. And the other one is Western Illinois University, also in Macomb, Illinois. On Sundays, I preach at both locations except when the students are gone for a vacation or whatever. And I'm also doing Bible studies. I now have office hours Sunday beginning at noon till at least 2 o'clock and later if there are people still there wanting to talk to me. Now, it just so happened I began my office hours last Sunday and a young man came in who was talking about the need for more books uh, at the student center. I just so happened for two years, I have been trying to sell 6,000 books that I have from the seminary days. I don't need them anymore because I'm very close to Concordia Seminary Library and all the books that I would need are there. So if I have to do a study, I can stop over there and take a look at them. And I'm selling them really inexpensively. If somebody wanted to buy all 6,000, I'd sell them for $2 each. And I'd even deliver them uh, to their place if it's near St. Louis. We can talk about that. But be that as it may, I said, well, what kind of books do you have? And they actually have some of the commentaries that Concordia Publishing is putting out. But then they brought me a book entitled, And God, What About? Now, I think this was a brilliant move on their part because it happened in, I believe, March 1974, to July 1976. It was in the spring quarter of 1974 that a student came to the campus pastor and he had a series of questions on Lutheran living and theology. And the pastor, of course, helped them answer those. But then he said, you know, others have similar concerns, but they lack a convenient and private way of asking their questions. Well, we see that happening on Open Mic Friday. And I do know some congregations were doing this, 
But what they did is they uh, put out a location where students could write their questions on a piece of paper, and then they would be answered. And sometimes the answer would appear, I guess, in the newsletter or the bulletin or whatever. Well, this happened from March 1974 to July 1976. And this book, And God, What About?, is actually the second of two books that were put together with all these questions answered. And boy, there were a lot of questions. In fact, the contents at the beginning talks about uh, dying without baptism, close communion, continuing in the word, who created you, Why do you permit terminal diseases, getting drunk, getting hung up on you? Why so little about Jesus' birth, marriage ceremonies, belonging to non-Christian organizations, pulling the plug, prayers for me, and there's even a section on sexual questions, namely premarital and other kinds of questions like this. And I I just mentioned a few of these. Well, what really surprised me is two individuals put it together. The one was James T. Cumming. And James T. Cumming was actually the pastor at the Lutheran Student Center at Western Illinois University, Macomb, Illinois. And then we've got a Dr. Mole, M-O-L-L. And he was an associate professor in the Learning Resources Department at Wesleyan, Illinois University. Now, I have really gotten to know him. Why? For a very simple reason. He so happens to be the treasurer of Emmanuel Lutheran in Macomb and pays me, therefore, for travel as well as preaching. And, of course, I'll be doing all the Lenten services coming up. Now, this book, I almost think I remember it from years ago. It was, the copyright is 1980, And guess who printed it? Concordia Publishing House. And they did both books. Hey God, What About? And this one, And God, What About? Now, why am I talking about this? That was done by James Cumming and Hans Moll. First of all, I was very pleased in reading through it to find answers. And they use really good theology from a Lutheran point of view in giving the answers. I I believe that's why, of course, it was printed and published by Concordia Publishing House. I'm not sure it's still available from them, but it's entitled, And God, What About? Now, why am I talking about this? 
I think every pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, should have maybe something in the narthex, sheets of paper, anybody can take them home and bring them back with a question on it and put it in a box. You don't even have to sign your name. They can be anonymous because a lot of these questions are quite personal, but the pastor would then have an insight into the kind of theological questions over what people have in regard to God's word. So it would be very important about talking about that. So there are so many ways that this can be helpful. Uh, I put out a newsletter every month when I had a full, when I was full-time pastor at a congregation, some pastors do it every two months, or they'll have inserts in the bulletin, which I think would be really good about that. And so I'm just going to take a question, just one of them. This is on page 64. And God, how can I know you, is the title. They always have a title in front of their answer. Here's the question. Hi, I know a girl who believes in everything except God and all the teachings. She says she doesn't because she doesn't know and that there's no definite proof of God and Jesus. What do you think? Now, here's the answer. I would assume that your friend believes that there was a George Washington, yet unless she is older than our nation itself, she did not know him by a face-to-face -face meeting. Your friend, quote, knows, unquote, George Washington, solely on the basis of the witness testimony of others. Yes, she may read some papers that President Washington wrote, but even then she is accepting the opinion of someone else that what she is reading is authentic. A Christian accepts the testimony and the witness of others that Jesus was born, lived, died, and rose again as reported to us in the Holy Bible. To do such a thing is as rational as accepting the fact that there was a man who was born, lived, and died called George Washington. The writers of the Gospels claim eyewitness authority for the things about which they write. But your friend may say, George Washington lived only 200 years ago, while Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Yes, that is true. Yet the earliest manuscripts of the complete New Testament available today were copied within 250 to 300 years after Jesus. Manuscripts of parts of the New Testament are available that were written even closer to Jesus' time. If your friend can accept the eyewitness reports about George Washington, which have come to us from 200 years ago, then she should be able to accept the eyewitness reports about Jesus, which are only 200 years removed from Jesus himself. However, do not ask her to take our word for it. Invite her to read and discuss the Bible with you. 
share your faith in Jesus with your friend. And then they have a hymn from the Lutheran hymnal. Hark the voice of Jesus crying, who will go and work today? Fields are white and harvest waiting. Who will bear the sheaves away? Loud and long the master calleth. Rich reward he offers thee. Who will answer gladly saying, here am I, send me, send me. Let none hear you idly saying, there is nothing I can do. While the souls of men are dying and the master calls for you. Take the tasks he give you gladly. Let his work your pleasure be. Answer quickly when he calleth. Here am I. Send me. Send me. And then the answer ends. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can talk to your friend. So that really is very, very good. And I'll tell you why I like this. Did you notice the source of the evidence for Jesus? It wasn't our reason. It was the Holy Bible. And this is very important because the answer makes clear. You can't just tell somebody to believe in Jesus and they'll go ahead and believe in Jesus. No, Instead, you point them to the Bible because that's how the Holy Spirit works. We believe, teach, and confess that the Holy Spirit only uses God's word to create faith in the heart of a believer. So there's really no evidence outside of Scripture that will do it. There's no reason that you can use. And... The Bible really is quite unreasonable. It really doesn't make sense, and that's why a lot of people are unbelievers, because they can't believe what the Bible is saying. Now, let's try another question. Somebody, please help me. Answer. Somebody does want to help you. That somebody is anybody who is in Christ. He or she will comfort you with the comfort wherewith God has comforted him or her. If you want someone who is in Christ to help you, you will have to talk with a Christian about the specific things that are troubling you. Jesus Christ can help you directly. He searches for the lost like a shepherd. He searches until he finds the one lost sheep out of the hundred that are safe. He would have none be lost. He would be your refuge and strength, your help in every trouble. May we introduce you, a helpless and lost sheep, to the good shepherd. When you have accepted Christ, you will appreciate the prayer of St. Paul for the believers at Ephesus when he wrote, May God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give our fellow Christians peace and love with faith. His love be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's Ephesians 6, 
verses 23 and 24. This is also our prayer for you. Notice two things. They go to Jesus. Paul says, I don't want to be talking about anybody but Jesus and him crucified. And Jesus does become a refuge, a strength, a help in every trouble. Now, when it says when you have accepted Christ, you may get the impression that some Christians say, see, you have a choice to accept. But the word accept there, although I would prefer the translation when you have received Christ, when you get faith, you then do accept Christ. In fact, that's what it says in Ephesians 6. May God give our fellow Christians peace and love with faith, because faith is trust in the promises of God. So this is a wonderful book, and you and your congregation may have young people. This was put out at the university student center, and so it was very important to make sure that these kids had an understanding from God's point of view of their questions. Any congregation can do this. Just announce, we've got some sheets of paper, or you can use your own sheet of paper at home. Write down your question, type it out any way you want, and then put it in the box at church. And maybe some people don't want to be seen putting questions in the box. Well, then most congregations have an email, and therefore the email could be sent to the congregation. Now, the questions are really interesting. Here's another one. If God is all-powerful, why does he allow things like terminal disease to take lives? Answer. As one who trusts in the mercy of God toward us in Christ Jesus, I also believe that God is all-powerful, omnipotent. This finite human being, however, uh, referring to the uh, writer of the answer, does not presume to dictate how the infinite God should use his power. I see abundant evidence of the power of God in the universe, and I say with the psalmist, notice he goes back to the Bible, the heavens are telling how wonderful God is, and the sky announces what his hands have made. Witnessing the power of God in nature moves me to awe, but does not move me to put my trust in him or to love him. That's a really good point. A lot of people love looking at nature, but nobody who looks at nature ever comes to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is their savior. He goes back, the answer, I trust God only when I realize that he can be trusted. I love God only when I realize he first loved me. Such trust and love come into my heart only when I realize 
that Jesus was willing to die the death I deserve. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, but he suffered and died for me and my sin and the sins of all people. In Jesus, I know that absolutely nothing, which includes suffering and death, can separate me from the love of God and points out Romans 8, 38 and 39. It is with this conviction that I try to answer the question you asked. I must disagree with your implication that the fact of terminal illness contradicts the truth that God is all powerful. The broader context of your question has to do with the wisdom of God and is part of the larger reason why God allows people, particularly those who trust him, to die. The question of death is inextricably bound up in the fact of human sinfulness. People die because they sin. Hence, as sinners, we are all terminally ill. Before there was sin in the world, there was no death. Sin enslaves and kills every sinner. Disease is but one of the many manifestations of sin in our world. Other manifestations are war, hatred, dishonesty, pornography, etc. This is not to say that people who are obviously terminally ill are worse sinners than those who presently do not appear to be terminally ill. It is not proper or biblical with certain exceptions to suggest that an illness is a direct result of certain sins. I would, uh, this is my answer, remembering Herod who died of worms because of his persecution of Christians. Answer, those who suffer terrible pain are not necessarily terrible sinners, John 9, 1 to 3. However, they cannot claim to be without sin. Christians follow Jesus' directive and example when praying for anyone in pain. They do not order God to remove the pain. They submit their requests and themselves to God as Jesus did with the words, and he quotes Matthew 26, 39, but let it not be as I want it, but as you want it. Look at that passage in the Bible, and you will read what terrible distress Jesus was experiencing when he spoke those words. Uh, by the way, that was in the Garden of Gethsemane. As a servant of the good news of Jesus Christ, I have ministered to those who were dying. Dying people who live by faith in Jesus died trusting in him. They knew their bodies were getting weaker, but their spirits did not fail them because the Spirit of God testified with their spirits that they were and are the children of God. Romans 8, 16. In good times, they gave glory to the God who was with them. In bad times, they were not about to curse him who was still with them since they knew that Jesus had taken away their sins they knew that God would not forsake them in death. They demonstrated the truth of Scripture. And here again, quotes Psalm 116, verse 15. 
precious to the Lord is the death of those he loves. Those who remain after the death of a loved one who died in the Lord weep because they have suffered a loss. They do not cry for the dead loved one because they know that person is blessed and rests from his or her labor and suffers no more. See Revelation 14, verse 13. Their weeping will be turned into eternal joy on resurrection morning. We who are in Christ have this comfort, even though we are terminally ill. The Lutheran hymnal has a prayer for a happy death. Pray this modified version with me. And the answer concludes with this prayer. Confirm, we ask you, almighty God, your unworthy servants in your grace, that in the hour of death, the adversary, the devil, may not prevail against us, but that we may remain faithful into everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Again, the book, hopefully it's still available from CPH or Amazon. And God, What About? by James Cumming and Hans Moll. We can continue to talk about this on the next Law and Gospel, which is Open Mic Friday. God bless. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.